This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is Kate Prusner. I, I am the managing editor of Lookout Landing. I, me, and therefore I'm the host of the podcast today. <laughs> Join me. Unchallenged. <laughs> Implicitly or explicitly. Unchallenged host. Just to set the scene, today we are doing... I guess it's not really a live podcast, but for the first time, we are all three of us face to face in person. Me, it's my... a real face off. We got a sort of <laughs> triangle. I, I have guns pointed at each of them. It's a real Mexican standoff. <laughs> yeah. Here. Anyone who has a bad take gets clapped by me. <laughs> all right. So as you can tell, we are also. Uh, I'm joined by my podcast co-host John Troopin. John, hello. Hello. They can't Welcome. see you dancing, John. That's okay. You're, That's... you're in my home. And yes. You are my guests. I will re- hope that you both remember that. <laughs> All right, I That's, put my gun away. Thank you. I am drinking your rain air, so uh, I'm, I need to mind my manners. And also, Matthew Roberson. Matthew, how are you? I'm out here. I'm having a good time. I had the chicken sandwich today at the stadium. Can confirm that it slaps. It, it it does indeed slap. Feeling good. But also, big development, which was uncovered by the local media. Ooh. Guns at each of you. <laughs> the same place that has the chicken sandwich has gin and grape Kool-Aid in a vat. That's yeah, true. That was not at the menu. They okay. did not see fit to put that one at the menu preview. Interesting. So. Okay, that's for the common folk. No. They also have gravy and rice, which is like ostensibly It is two- technically food. <laughs> it's yeah. just not one. Uh, not a thing I would typically go for in any context, and especially not if I was to carry something to a seat right. and then sit down to enjoy my gravy and rice. No, I'm sure it's excellent. I mean, I like but, gravy for yeah. sure. Don't get me wrong. Uh, so we were at the the um, exhibition game at the stadium today, which was nice. It was a sunny day, and you know, getting to sit up close. The results of the game not so good. Not so good. Uh, between today and yesterday's drizzly, rainy, cold affair, which I have to be honest, uh, walking to the stadium with like 5,000 people on a Monday uh, just really, really was giving me some strong like fall of 2018 vibe. I was like, oh, it's cold outside. There's no one here and the Mariners are um, not winning so it felt it, it, the games don't mean anything. Like it, it was a little, it was a little too real for me. I did not like it. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, um, spring training needs to stay in spring training. That's my hot take. Yeah, I like the exhibition games that are like in a fun location. Like the Blue Jays do those ones in Montreal. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. But I agree, doing one in the actual home stadium is very weird. It feels very like stunted. Like we're almost there, but we're not. It doesn't count, but we're in the place where it usually counts. 
There's a lot of weird things to my head. Yeah. Where would you go see an exhibition game, like a spring training game that wasn't at spring training? Like, where where would you want to see the Mariners play one that you would, like, I mean, try and go to attend? Personally, that I would want to go to, and I think would be cool from a marketing standpoint, would be Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I would go to that. That'd be pretty fun. That's an easy drive. Mm-hmm. Get the international flavor that's, like, also just, yeah. like, two hours away. There's a, yeah. there's a AAA stadium. No, the... High, uh, the short season stadium there. Short season, the yeah. Vancouver Canadians, yeah. which would be a little bit of a challenge because I think that there's not a huge seating capacity there and no. they pretty regularly sell it out even as a short season team just mm-hmm. because the people there want their baseball and yeah. they don't necessarily want to have to cross the border yeah. to get it. So, But I agree with you. I think that there are countless stadia that we could probably configure somehow into a baseball stadium to have right. That happen, right? It could be an exhibition game between the Mariners and the Blue Jays too. Like fly the Blue Jays over. I think that would be huge. I might not want to go to it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I need to talk myself out of this. If we're playing the Blue Jays in Canada, I'm not going. But yeah. that also is the one that makes the most sense. So I've yeah, backed myself rough. into a corner here. <laughs> oh. There's also a certain city south of us that's trying to get MLB baseball, but I don't know if I want to go there either or support that idea or even say their name out loud. So. <laughs> that's right. No no free plugs. Yeah, for... no matter what Russell Wilson is telling you, don't listen to his propaganda. I wonder... So they did like a, a home run derby on a boat? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like that was the Cal- California League All-Star Game yeah. in... 2017? Yeah. 2017. And, and like, basketball teams have done, like, games on aircraft carriers. Yeah. So, like, you'd need a ton of... You'd need, like, a preposterously large ship. But, like, you could get, like, a really big aircraft carrier and then, like, I don't know, put some turf... Lay some turf down and you wouldn't need... Like, you could just have no... Like... You could just hit off the wall, or, or you know, the water could be beyond the walls, whatever walls you set up. I think that would be great. I, I, I think that would be really neat. Mm, I, I mean, it sounds logistically like a nightmare, but also it sounds like I would be able to covertly push Nick Rumbelo off there. <laughs> uh, I feel like, given the circumstances of this, if it's on like U.S. <laughs> government property there's no way you do that covertly they're gonna have security everywhere he's also like on the team so you'd have to like rush the field basically unless they have an actual like they bring back the like uss mariner like bullpen cart but like it's an actual boat like the bullpen's somewhere else on like a different boat to bring them in where there's a will there's a way i will say i saw nick Remolo today from about 10 feet away Dude is weird. <laughs> I'll put it on. I'll put it on wax. I, that guy gives me weird vibes. He was doing this like stretching routine, like a good four innings before he would feasibly come in, which is fine. Like you know, do your routine, get into it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of them where I was like, I don't understand how this is getting you ready. One of them was literally laying on the ground. That was, there was some. That was his move. There was some active sunbathing. He's probably like centering himself or whatever. Yeah, but he's it looked like he was just chilling. Struck out the side today. That is true. We should talk about Is it striking out the side if people get on base? I think yes. 
Yes. I mean, you did strike out the side. You okay. didn't strike out the side one, two, three, but you did strike out the side. I recognize that it's a debate, and I think it's a reasonable one. I do. I would consider it striking the side if you strike. If you record all three outs in the inning. Via strikeout. Via strikeout. Yes. I Which is, a ch- I mean, it's a challenge. It's it's yeah. a difficult thing to do. Now, pitching-wise, you actually looked pretty good today. Yeah. But Kate still wants to <laughs> throw him into the ocean. Yeah. I just, I direct your attention back to the Japan series. <laughs> Where uh, he served up a juicy three-run home run, so... Yeah, that was a weird call to even have him in the game at that point. I guess mm-hmm. we can talk about the Japan series. Yeah, now. we can do that, yes. So we want, to do our, we want to do just like a little bit of season projection stuff tonight. We want to do um, sort of some stuff that we're hoping for, maybe some stuff that would worry us, but... Uh, did you, so, Matthew, I know you recapped game one. Sure did. And I recapped game two. Kate, you watched both parts of Yeah, both kind of. I, f- I fell asleep during game two. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy having having the games? Yeah. Having this Would you want them to ever do this again? Uh, probably they will at some point, right? They've done it once before. They probably... They're definitely the top of the list for when MLB is trying to send teams to Japan. Yeah, well, I mean, for us and the... I, I recognize that it's like an easier flight for us than it is for other teams. And so I get why you would send West Coast State. And also the crossover between Japanese fans and everything. Um, I'm a little annoyed that the Angels got asked and were like... Uh, thanks, but no thanks. And right, I didn't know you could say no. Instead. I didn't yeah. realize that it was... was hilarious. That like Otani was staying up and literally said, "I wish I could have gone to do this." Yeah, dude, <laughs> my dude, <laughs> you very well could have mm-hmm. had you made a couple different choices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's. I, I mean, I guess that I understand with them not having Otani active and able to play. Like it's, it's definitely a bigger deal to have the. Mariners and have Kikuchi and Ichiro, obviously. And I mean, you know, that was that was baseball history right there that we witnessed and special and important. But like, you could have still brought the Angels over and like had Otani there, and it would have been a huge deal for those fans. So it's a little annoying. And if I were the A's, honestly, I would be pissed because yeah. like they're they got, out here. They got short shrift yeah, and a half. There. They're they're out here ostensibly trying to win, ostensibly mm-hmm. like trying to challenge. Whereas the Mariners have been like, "Nope, we'll see you guys next year." <laughs> and uh, and they are currently zero and two because of these games. Like, and lost two home games. And yeah. lost two home games. Yeah. I mean, I would be. Yeah, pretty horrible start to the season for Oakland. Which yeah. And lost their first baseman. Matt and Olsen. lost their first baseman, right? Matt mm. Olson is out with a ha- hamite? Hammett. Hammett? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay, well, anyway. Dude uh, fucked up his hand. So. <laughs> you hate to see it. Yeah. <laughs> they have one less Matt, which brings <laughs> them down to like 13. I know. I know. <laughs> We're counting Chads as Matts, right? Chad, Just Matt, Mark. Yeah, everyone on the A's is the same person. It's yeah. like when uh, oh Gene Machi said every single baseball player in AAA Tacoma was named Tyler. <laughs> Which, at, the time, at the time, he was not wrong. They were there was just Tyler a, O'Neill is Tyler Moore is Tyler. No, there was my boy Tyler Cloyd might have been Tyler Cloyd, Cloyd was there. Uh, Legend not at that yeah. time though, but yeah, there were. There were various tailors and Tylers and tinkers. Things of that nature. <laughs> Things of that <laughs> nature. Uh, so yeah, the the opening series I think is super fun. Um, 
obviously, I like the everybody staying up to watch the games was really fun, and the kind of just pajama party. Hmm. Like we're all just staying up overnight, and we're all throwing off our work schedules to do this. Like that was a fun and kind of convivial thing. I think it was fun for. The rest of the team. Okay, maybe it wasn't fun if you were recapping these games. No, I oh, agree. No, we, were just, <laughs> we were just laughing about our quote-unquote work schedules. <laughs> yeah. We've got going on here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> really threw me out of whack. <laughs> yeah. All of us have the gift of flexible scheduling right now. Yeah. If anyone really had their schedules thrown out of whack, it's the players who had right. to yeah. fly to a different time yeah. zone, play baseball, come back, yeah. play more baseball, get ready for the yeah. best team in the league to probably... Mm-hmm dump truck them in front of their home fans. <laughs> yeah. But, and, you know, obviously it was pretty rough to watch them in the exhibition games, uh, especially probably a little bit jet-lagged induced, but the offense looked really good in those first two games, and then that was, I think, it, I think both those games, especially game one, really looked like what we, or at least what I was expecting a lot of this year to look like the nine seven yeah. slugfest yeah. where sometimes the Mariners do enough to hold on, sometimes the Mariners kind of just can't yep. get in a hole and can't dig out of it, or their bullpen kind of pisses it away. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, it, it, there was a lot of solid. There were a lot of good plate appearances. There was a lot of power. Um, it was it was entertaining back and forth baseball. Yeah, yeah, Mitch Haniger. Showing that he's going to just kind of pick up where he left off. Mm-hmm. It's great. Encouraging things from Domingo Santana. Tim Beckham. Uh, Tim Beckham, you know, maybe coming in for a rebound mm-hmm. season. D hitting the ball was great, mm-hmm. too. Just seeing him get out there and have some good reps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, the team that was in Japan looked like what we're going to see, which is, you know, they're going to produce offense. And they are going to struggle on the pitching side, which is kind of what we've been saying all season, right? These last two exhibition games have been... Today was great pitching by Wade LeBlanc, and then the bullpen mostly held it One run. One run, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The offense has been completely flat these past two exhibition games. And so my question for you, are you concerned about this at all? You know, the Mariners struck out a bunch of times. They didn't take a ton of walks. They really didn't hit. Uh, is there anything to concern, or are these spring training games? Would we have felt differently about these exhibition games had they not been played at the place where they'll play 160 or, you know, whatever, where they're going to play half of their their season games this year? And uh, w- would we have felt better if those were two poor showings in Arizona to close out the Cactus League season? For me personally, I would like no matter the location of these exhibition games, I wouldn't have been too worried because I think it was mostly circumstantial of doing it after Japan. Like I really feel like that was the main reason for the struggles, and I think a lot of it was also probably like we don't want to be playing baseball right now. <laughs> like the travel <laughs> we schedule be in our beds. <laughs> yeah, the travel schedule I feel like was not conducive to having good plate appearances like i'm sure it was a lot of like we want to get this over with sort of thing we Mm -hmm. saw a lot of guys who were out by the fourth inning so i mean if it obviously wasn't great like they were facing a lot of minor league pitchers towards the end of the game and Mm -hmm. still couldn't score so that's not ideal obviously but i'm not worried about it in the terms of like it's going to affect the regular season i think a lot of these guys are professionals you know they've been around for a while some of them have not been but I think it's just going to be a thing where, like, when the Red Sox series starts, they just kind of flip the switch back on. And I also think it's 
on the stadium thing, it's very weird to be playing in a stadium that's that empty. Like yeah. opening day, just the sheer volume of fans will probably help the adrenaline a little bit. So I'm not concerned literally at all about the exhibition games. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it, it, I would feel better if they had hit well, if they showed up and, and smashed the ball all over. But uh, I mean, for one thing, Chris Paddock's actually quite good. Uh, yes. And. You know, I, that they, was really, I feel, in a lot of ways, a coming out party for him. Yeah, because, maybe he made the roster. You know, it, yes. Maybe not. Maybe that was predetermined, but I mean, he looked lights out, locked in. There were a lot of tweets, and I mean, not from people who are following the Padres or Mariners specifically, but like just general baseball mm. people being like, "Wow, that was yeah. really impressive looking." Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not terribly concerned, and I, I think we'll see much, much like we saw in Japan. I think we will see that. Inconsistent, but offensively capable, mm-hmm. offensively deep team uh, yeah. come Thursday and come come the season. Yeah, I think it's really important to recognize how many plate appearances went to Dylan Moore and Christopher Negron and Jose Lobatone mm-hmm. and uh, Tim Lopes the, the is out here. Nola, what's the lesser Nola Austin. name? Austin, yes. Um, I mean, and those are, in a lot of ways, I think that's the, the last kind of shaggles of a farm system that is just not quite ready to go yeah, yet, the, and you're filling the, in Has the these... peak, but doesn't have necessarily the depth. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's great, because that was literally Tacoma's entire roster last right. year. Was We built the whole plane. Shaggles. Out of <laughs> shaggles. <laughs> yes. They were shaggles. My new favorite word, shaggles. <laughs> Um, but this year, you know, there were exciting things to watch even when things weren't going well. Like, it was exciting to see Evan White, like, square up a major league pitcher and put a real charge into the ball mm-hmm. at Safeco Field. It didn't go out, but he made really solid contact. Yeah. He had a nice play at first, too, which is we've yeah. all kind of come to expect the defense. That's sort of his the thing yeah. that, you know, carries his profile. But he made a really nice play on a but ball for those the line. Of you, this, I, this was not my first time having seen Evan White play in person. And I do think that, uh, for me, definitely when I saw him play in person at the Arizona Fall League, it changed my perception on him. It, it definitely hyped me up about Evan White in a way that I hadn't been so hyped about him before. Uh, Matthew, you haven't seen Evan White play. Did that? Sure have not. <laughs> that... Noted minor league expert. Over there. <laughs> did that? Did just seeing that in person kind of do anything for you? Or... The defense did, yeah. I mean, he just looked smooth and like sort of polished. Like he didn't have the like, I don't know what I'm doing look that I feel like sometimes <laughs> can happen when you have the minor leaguers playing up. Mm-hmm. So that was encouraging. And hitting, I mean, yeah, like you said, he like squared up one ball. He seems like... He's going to be a guy who's, like, around for a while. Like, I don't know how to explain it other than he just looks like he belongs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I guess is, like, part of the whole, you know, esoteric scouting thing. It's like, oh, he looks like he's supposed to be here. He <laughs> looks like, like a ball player. Yeah, he does yeah. look like a ball player. He's very tall. He's very, like, he moves very athletically. So, from yeah, the little bit I saw, I'm, yeah, I'm sold. I mean, I don't think he's going to light the world on fire and be a Hall of Famer or anything. But he looks like he can definitely play first base better than Ryan Healy can. <laughs> and, I mean, if the offense is just, like, a shade better than Ryan Healy, we have a significantly improved player at first base. Yeah, I mean, it's it's garbage until it's not, right? Like, oh, <laughs> he, can, he can play, he looks like a ball player. Like, those are things that you don't really understand until you have a prospect kind of come along to 
fulfill those. And I think that you look at Evan White and you're like, oh, that's what that means. Like after years of looking at the Christopher Negron level mm. players, it's like, yeah. oh, that's, is this a prospect? Yeah. <laughs> I think that was actually, that's a good point. Cause it was helpol to see him juxtaposed with Dylan Moore and mm. Tim Lopes and Christopher Negron where you're like, that guy is not I mean, what it, Evan White is. A, a lot of it is, you know, it, it is those sort of things where it's either like it's bat speed or it's size and strength. Like Kyle Lewis is huge. Like he's there's enormous. like Kyle Lewis does a lot of things well that like made people think he would be a great prospect. He's six four. Like he is bigger than most players. Like he's, I mean, he's much taller than pretty much everyone on the Mariners roster other than like Domingo Santana and Ryan mm-hmm. Healy. And he's an outfielder. Like yeah. these the Evan White is also very tall. Like a lot of these guys are the the real prospects stand out physically yeah. first. Yeah. And, and Evan White, something to note about him that I talked to I ta- I asked Ryan Divish when I saw him at spring training, like, oh who's really stood out to you? And he said uh, Evan White, between meeting him the first time, because Ryan doesn't travel and go see the prospects or anything, so like when he saw Evan White, it was when he came to Safeco for his first workout, mm-hmm. and then he saw Evan White at spring training this mm-hmm. year. I guess he probably saw him at spring training last year too, during the couple times he. No, he was hurt though, wasn't he? He wasn't around too much. Uh, he, he played a little was... bit last year because he yeah. had that one pick on that like where he That's basically right. did that the was splits. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so he said the biggest difference for him is Evan White went through that high performance camp and he's just yoked now, mm-hmm. like just muscles. <laughs> you can't see, but I'm making muscles yeah. everywhere. It looks, it looks ripped right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not to kind of circle back around to the conversation. I'm not super worried about. Um, I'm not super worried about. Uh, the sort of weak offensive showing just because of who we saw and because it was kind of spring training-ish because it was such a weird schedule and everything. I don't think there's anything to be super hand-wringy about in this. Does this change? Does anything that you've seen so far change the perception that you have on how this team is going to do this year? Because I know we've we've gone over position by position. We haven't really summed that all up into... What do you see this team doing this year? Let's let's maybe address that a little. Yeah, the Japan series, like John said, pointed to the style of baseball that I think we're going to see, the 9-7 to game where the offense holds its own, sometimes excels, and then the pitching also kind of gives up six or seven runs. I think we're going to see a lot of that. And I think that they can win those games, but I'm not sure that I want them to necessarily. Like, I think for me... The ideal season here is like 72 to 75 wins with some encouraging player development. Because I think truly the worst thing that could happen is them being in it, selling a prospect or two to try to get into the playoffs and then finishing at like 82 wins and fucking up their draft pick. Like I'd rather them win. I said this on previous episodes. I'd rather them win 72 than 82. No question in my mind. Um, even if 82 got them to the playoffs, I'd still kind of feel weird about that. Just because I want them to really... If you're going to go rebuild, you got to do it for more than just one year. You know right. what I mean? Like, you want to get more draft picks and really stock the farm. 
But, I mean, from the Japan series, I've definitely been encouraged by some of the performances. I don't think Tim Beckham is going to hit 800 by any <laughs> means. But, I mean, if we can play that style of baseball, I'll certainly be entertained. I'd much rather watch good offense, bad pitching than the other way around. Just from a I'm-watching-this-team-every-day standpoint. Yeah. Good off, bad offense is so painful. It's just so It really turns you off of watching that. baseball. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a... I think they... I I'm I know you guys are more like-minded on this. I think on the point that Matthew made uh, on on how the team's performance, you'd rather see the win-loss column. I I think I would still be pretty thrilled if this team was like. I, I would be more encouraged if this was like an eighty, I guess an eighty-four to like eighty-eight win team. Um, as opposed to if they were like a 70 to 76 win team. Um, but it, it's all about how it gets there, right? If it's the prospects and some of the young guys on the roster are sort of scuffling, but like they're just continually winning because some of their bullpen guys break out and I don't know, Edwin Encarnacion and Jay Bruce are doing well. Like, I'm going to be much more concerned about that long-term than if Domingo Santana rebounds in a big way mm-hmm. and J.P. Crawford sort of starts performing like the top 10 prospect that he was for years and we see Sheffield come on strong and we see Swanson come on strong and we see, you know, guys, you know, maybe Healy or Vogelbach show something more positive. You know that that will be <laughs> well, either you know because either Bogomak <laughs> get reps and get to show something or Healy look more put together. I mean that would make me feel like okay, this team is moving in the right direction. These guys are performing better, likely because of adjustments that are being made. Even though they didn't get as high of a draft pick this year, they still are performing positively those guys are getting right. to play in a competitive environment and i think that's a great place for guys to show up and say okay we're really actually serious about turning this around quickly you know you got to jump in and and perform you've seen it done you know now it's your turn justin done now yeah. it's your turn jared kalnick whatever i guess for me the draft pick doesn't matter so much if they can prove that they can develop and that these and that the, if the prospects take big step forward, and you see encouragement like encouraging signs from them, Evan White continues to hit well. Kyle Lewis continue well has a healthy season. Um, Kelnick looks like a continues to look like what I saw in spring training, which is I think a player who absolutely looks like he has a major league future ahead of him. As long as all of that happens, um, I'm not so worried about the draft pick and them absolutely having to have that like highest shelf of talent to draw from in order to... You know, it's not like you have to pick within the top ten because the talent fall-off is so sharp after that. Um, I don't know that we could get into the top ten, honestly, with the level of competition. Like they're in our own division, the Rangers are ostensibly going to be worse yeah, than us. The bottom yeah. of the AL is atrocious. It's yeah. a. I mean, I, I just don't yeah. see. I how predicted we can... five AL teams uh, would have a hundred losses this year, and I don't think any of those are the Mariners. Like, oh, the Rangers, the Orioles, the White Sox, 
the Tigers, Tigers, Tigers and the Royals. And the Royals. Are I think all... the Royals and White Sox could be a step better than last year, but they could very easily also. Yeah, really I'm a little struggle. more bullish on the White Sox, but I think also there's a chance the Blue Jays are really bad. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if 100 losses, but they're they're not going to yeah. be good. I as just... far as worse than this team as currently constructed, though, yeah. I think that they're they're definitely worse, yeah. especially with uh, Vladdy missing a month and then probably having more time on the deal. Yeah. Right. And I will say John's thing about like if they can get to eighty five wins with the player development, I'm obviously all for that. Yeah. I just don't want it to be a thing where like they get to mid July, realize yeah. they're kind of in it and say, Okay, we're gonna trade Shed Long or if, something if for a middle short, reliever. If like, they short so arm dumb. things yeah. yeah or short circuit their development for yeah. the sake of suddenly turning it around. That that's really deeply upsetting and concerning yeah. about the conviction that they have in their And so far they have said, at least publicly, that they're not going to do that. Yeah. But they have said a lot of things, <laughs> right. right? Like, we've had to invent a scale for the mm. truthiness of yeah. what comes out of this front office, which is, you know, usually some degree of the truth, but often only reveals itself later on down the road. So. Yeah, the name of the game is just player development. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be okay with 68 wins if Domingo Santana is killing it and all the minor league kids look like they're making strides. Like, I've really sort of divorced myself from the idea of wins and losses this yeah. year because yes. it's not important. It's yeah. really all about individual performances. Yeah. I, I, do you guys, when was the last time you guys really remember, or maybe <laughs> this has always been the way, but do you guys remember distinctly watching baseball exclusively for individuals as opposed to watching it for I can't for me that was the Ackley Miller Saunders Mm, that's all those teams because those teams were bad we knew there wasn't going to be anything but I remember specifically when Dustin Ackley coming up like making Mm -hmm. time against the Phillies I think it was that series Mm -hmm. when he debuted being Mm -hmm. like okay I should watch him but not even in like a is he getting a hit it's like how does his bat speed look how Mm -hmm. is he doing defensively like little things that aren't yeah. necessarily conducive to winning. Like I didn't yeah. care if he had an RBI. It was more like, does he have a good approach? So mm-hmm. That's kind of going to be me with, you know, when I'm watching the minors this year, like with the yeah. young kids, not are they, you know, driving in two runs every game and going two for five. Do they look like they know what they're doing and they have a plan? Mm-hmm. And addressing some weaknesses that were maybe in their game, like, it's going to be really important to me this year that Evan White show that he can hit for some power because Mm. as talented as he is defensively, like, the difference between him being an everyday major leaguer and maybe even, like, a, you know, four-war guy is whether or not he has any power. Yeah, especially at first base. Like, you can't really... Expect to be like a major league first baseman every day, hitting right. seven home runs in a season. Like you uh, can do it, but it's not ideal. <laughs> so, um, were there any? Do we want to maybe do like breakout candidates and players who we expect might take a step back, or yeah, you know, like sleepers and mm-hmm. th- something like that? Who are you high on? Who are you not so high on? Mm-hmm. I really like, I mean, Japan wasn't kind to him. I really like Omar Narvaez. Mm -hmm. I think especially when it's framed against Mike Zanino, who I also liked, but they're completely opposite. Um, I think having a catcher with good OBP skills who can actually, like, 
working at bat mm-hmm. and sort of keep an inning going rather than with Mike, it was like, okay, he's either going to hit a home run and get us three runs, which yeah. is great, or the inning is over. Yeah. Like, it's Worst one of the claw two. machine ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had family members who used to call Dan Wilson Rally Killer Wilson, which was a little unfair. But Ouch. Yeah. It was funny. Like, I was a kid. I was like, ah, ha, ha. <laughs> this is the height of comedy. Good job. <laughs> and eventually, I think it just kind of bled into me feeling that way about Mike Zanino because rarely ever did he draw the walk to get the next guy up or hit yeah. behind the runner or get a single yeah. up the middle to score the run. It I can like, remember the time he did it. It was that one time where they beat the A's because <laughs> Mike Zunino walked and yes, then D Gordon, D. Gordon hit a homer. Oh, it was like the only time that that happened. So it was, wild. Right. It was just absolutely baffling. Yeah, so to bring it all down. back, seeing Omar Narvaez do that regularly, like mm-hmm. draw a walk to get to whoever's hitting after him. Maybe it'll be Tim Beckham sort of slotting in after him with a lot of RBI chances. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm excited for that. I love sort of that style of hitting where it's like I can slap the ball to left field for a single mm-hmm. if I need to rather than it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of taken over Major League Baseball, and it's nice to have sort of the counterculture of Omar Narvaez <laughs> in a way. So I like him. I mean, Domingo, obviously, I'm big on him, but I feel like other people are going to say that. Domingo is, I think, probably the person I'm most excited. I think I wrote this maybe even in his 40 and 40 that he was uh, the person I'm most excited to watch this year. Um, oh, oh, we have a we have a guest. A, we have a guest. A guest. The beauty the of the door. live podcast. Yeah, One. it's Hello. it's Grant, staff writer. Grant is here. Hey, Grant Bronson. I will say, you three are my favorite three <laughs> podcasters in the entire city of Seattle. Oh, oh we that's love that. So nice, Grant. Pull up a chair and uh, chat with okay. us. Hey, mm-hmm. sure thing. Uh, John, we're going over we like our... We have another chair in my house. <laughs> you can have the very relaxed recline. This is a furniture <laughs> podcast now. Yeah. Uh, we are just going over the uh, sleepers and the, the highs and the lows. Who we, who we like and who we are maybe a little... See as regression candidates. about yes, yeah. For Kate, this you haven't year. mentioned your breakout. Well, Grant gets situated. We can talk about your we, breakout we, candidate. We can, we can. I mean, John was already partly through talking yeah. about Domingo yeah, Santana. I don't, so. Yeah, I was erasing John. <laughs> Moving on. Please don't it's erase okay. John. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Domingo's. Domingo's. I think the the person that I'm most excited to watch. He's got absolutely mammoth power. Um, he has shown himself to be capable of being a star level player at the major league level. And now he has the opportunity to do it and he could be in Seattle for three more years or, you know, or three full years, I guess. So, um, we can see him now and in the future, uh, which is what this is all about. Uh, you don't. You don't have to go right away, Grant. Poor Grant is sitting in this very low yeah. chair. That Let's like Grant. Have to like move the microphone. Grant's got to do a layup line or do some stretches. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get warmed Nick up. Rumble on the phone. Uh, <laughs> need to get this. No, thank you. Uh, who, is, who is my breakout? You have a pitcher. We've gone all offense so far. Um, There's not really a breakout candidate on the pitching staff. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean Kikuchi. But I, I don't. I Nick Rumble. I want to. Move to the rotation. I want to oh, <laughs> keep expectations nice and low for Kikuchi because I do think he's looked good so far. Um, and I think that he's going to... I think that there are some things that he's really going to struggle with in the transition to 
playing ball here, like the actual ball itself mm-hmm. or the schedule or just, just it, things yeah. are going to wear on it. So I want to keep things and I hope that the team is, you know, yeah. I mean, that was a big part of their selling point load. to him was yes. that they had a unique plan yeah. that they're going to work him every fifth yeah. start. I think it is as essentially an opener, uh, which will be kind of a neat testing point for that strategy um, of does this sort of way of easing a guy in actually help them transition more capably, more healthily uh, from the different schedule in the Japan? I'm going to say for my breakout candidate, I'm going to go a little outside the box and say I think it's Justice Sheffield. I was so, oh, Grant is slapping his hand. That was my guy. All right, Grim, we can we can you, team we can team up on you this. You know much we can more team about him this. than I do. Well, I just I saw him at spring training, and I was super impressed um, when he was throwing against his major league teammates, against Haniger, against D Gordon, against uh, Encarnacion. Like they were all coming back, like what? Like they were struggling to hit him, and it wasn't like a oh, I'm, I'm just trying to be nice to my teammate or anything. Like, they were frustrated mm-hmm. at the at the plate. And the changeup looks much better, I think, than maybe we thought it would. What 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 makes you, well, what so draws you to justice? I like that scouting outlook, and I would just say he's a top 30 prospect in the game of baseball. So this is a guy that's got top-notch pe- pedigree that the second that he was traded away from New York, the media decided yeah. to say, oh, well... You know, he's not a New York Yankees prospect anymore, so is he even going to be a starter? He might be a middle reliever. I think that's overblown, right? Like, you don't get to be a top-shelf prospect like that and flash stuff at, like, AAA. At the age of 22. At 22, right. He's (laughs) below a league average age. He's, you know, striking guys out. He's actually performing well as a starter. I'm cautiously optimistic about Justice Sheffield. Yes. Those are good answers. Um, is there anyone we're feeling worried about? Anyone that we think might not hit expectations or might take a big step back this year? It's not so much expectations. It's I don't understand why they're on the team. It's both Encarnacion and Bruce. Like I haven't seen a lot from them so far. Obviously, it's two games in the regular season and also spring training. But I'm very worried that both of them hit like 230 and we don't get any sort of return for them. And they're just on the team all year. That seems like the worst case scenario is they both are on the team in September. Uh, Bruce hit well at spring training when I saw him. I mean, he Bruce was... hit like eighteen singles up the middle. Yeah, <laughs> not, he, he, which sure. was not bad. It just was. It was like every time I watched him, he was hitting the exact yeah. same. I like, should also say I didn't watch a lot of spring training. Maybe that's what he was working on. I don't know. When I was in person, he hit home yeah. runs. So I, I probably have a, have a little bit. Uh, but no, I've been I've been really pleasantly surprised by Jay Bruce. I think he's a good dude and a good teammate, and he seems genuinely happy to be here and he really seems to want to put his poor year his unhealthy year behind him and i i expect good things from uh jay bruce i am really worried about encarnacion and we were saying today he might be a slow starter but he's so slow he's going backwards (laughs) if that's the case and i'll also say i mean i think jay bruce's inclusion in the trade coming to seattle was largely as a salary uh, just extra salary, there wasn't a lot of expectation that he would return positive value for us. So the right. fact that he might yes. be worth something is nice. Yes. On the flip side, uh, Edward Encarnacion was acquired as this guy could be somebody you could trade and get yeah. value for, especially uh, hopefully before the season. That hasn't planned out. So now we're hoping that by the trade deadline, uh, he will be able to to reclaim that value and we can 
get a prospect or two for him. And I would echo the voices here. I'm not optimistic that that will happen. Encarnacion feels like a huge miscalculation by the front office. I think they're surprised he's still yeah. a Mariner. I almost wonder if they had like a deal worked out with Tampa Bay where he was going to be flipped to them yeah. as part of it or what happened. But something went wrong. Edwin Encarnacion should not be a Seattle Mariner yeah. right now. He should not be adding to that log jam at first base. And yeah. uh, I think that that's an example of the front office making a making a mistake, making mm-hmm. a miscalculation, thinking they could move him and not being able to. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Malik Smith. That was uh, my other person I was going to bring up. Yeah, because I, I like Malik's profile as a player. I like his uh, the fact that he's a capable center fielder, and you need a capable center fielder in Safeco. Uh, or T-Mobile <laughs> Park, excuse me. Flashing magenta uh, light just yeah. like went off here uh, in the podcast studio. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure he is now healthy from his UCL uh, sort of sprain or flexure bundle uh, strain that he had, and he's been working in Arizona, and he got some reps this week, but... We've seen so many places around the league, guys, who miss spring training and mm. are hurrying back. I mean, we saw it last year with Ryan Healy. You know, there's a it, it spring training is silly in a lot of ways and and kind of a weird thing now that guys are working out and are baseball players year round. But getting major league reps uh, is something that helps you prepare in a way that is unlike anything else and and I'm worried that Malik's who is already a guy who has a profile that could regress potentially uh, depending on how he's able to replicate his really high BABIP uh, I I don't want him to get off on a really bad foot here having to play catch up and then uh, fall into a slump that that he's spending most of the year digging out of and uh, I, I worry that that's that may be what he's set up for if he's not given more time to really yeah. get in the flow yeah i'm disappointed he didn't do like a rehab i mean i, I he can't really but mm. um i wonder if they could like sort of il him and send him to tacoma to do a little rehab stint or hey i mean they could but they, they didn't put him on the they didn't really put him on the il right like yeah they, but I mean, they could say like, "Oh, he's still damaged," and yeah. I mean, ultimately, they can they could probably still. I mean, he hasn't played in any games since, so they yeah. can they can retroactively it, yeah. do it. But the moment he plays on opening day, that will not be the case. He'll be, yeah, up, you know, to that point. So it's problematic. Yeah. Uh, John, do you want to maybe we're coming in on uh, on about forty minutes here? So do you want to maybe? Yeah, we ask, got some questions. Send here. Send up some questions and we will kick them around. Uh, so let's go with this question from uh, someone actually we saw this afternoon at the exhibition match. Uh, this comes from at Joe Vieira on Twitter. Never uh, heard of him. <laughs> local <laughs> local news magnate. Uh, should the Mariners jump on the fast-moving extension train? And if so, who should they look to lock up? Mm. Uh, if you haven't been following the general baseball news recently, by the way, about a dozen players almost at this point. Yeah, uh, have, nobody have, wants to be a free agent ever again. Yeah, we have Mike Trout, Jason, uh, 
Jacob DeGrom, uh, Kyle Hendricks, Alex Bregman. Eloy People Jimenez. who haven't played for their team yet, like Jimenez yeah. and Paul <laughs> Goldschmidt. They yeah. literally never played a game for a their team and they got of, an extension. A ton of guys have, have signed at most on market and a lot of what people would probably view as reasonably team-friendly extensions. Uh, certainly making tens of millions of dollars, but but relative to what you'd think that people would be able to uh, or be willing to pay them on the free market. Uh, some A lot of guys getting locked up. So... Um, is is there anyone that you guys that comes to mind for you guys that, as someone the Mariners would extend based on their current contract production, etc.? I don't know what his contract looks like or how many years are left. The one that jumps to mind is Mitch Haniger. Like sure. if we're gonna get out in front of it, it's yeah. him. I don't know who else is even really like we're not gonna extend like any kids in the minors yet. I don't think like there's not gonna be an Eloy Jimenez situation, <laughs> and none of the pitchers really need it. Like. If anyone, it's got to be Mitch. I truly have no idea what his contract is like. So he's he's in his last year of pre-arbitration this year, and then we'll have mm-hmm. three more years of arbitration after this. So he'd, or the earliest he'd be a free agent would be after the 2022 season. Okay. Um, and so those will go from, he's making essentially like 580000 this year, and then he'll start making a couple million next year. I would guess, probably. and these numbers are with no research other than having played out-of-the-park baseball <laughs> ad nauseum, he would make something like six or seven million year one if he repeats the year he had last year. Yeah. He'd make six or seven million in 2020. He'd make something like 10 to 11 or 10 to 12 in 2021 and 15 or so in 2022. So that's what you get by going year to year, assuming that he keeps up the the season he had last year. So in order to buy him out of that, the Mariners would want to get at least one or two more years of free agency. And I think that's where it gets a little more complicated because Hanager's an older, uh, you know, young player, right? He yeah. right now this is his age twenty eight season, so he'll, yeah. his first free agent year will be his age thirty two season. So if the Mariners are only going to lock up arbitration in order to actually get some extra control then he's going to start having a much smaller window of actually hitting free agency. So would he rather get the guarantee of, you know, three ARB years, one or two free agent years, and then hit free agency at 34 or 35? Or would he rather uh, just go year to year and then be a free agent for age 32 season and use that to lock up a bigger contract? And then you add in the whole, you know, the, the CBA process that people are, so seemingly so far, being, are they're willing to uh, take an extension and not wait and see what's going to happen when the union and the MLB come together and hash out how free agency right. might look in a couple of years. But I wonder if he'd be a guy that wants to wait for what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think that if you wanted to make this, it, it wouldn't be a major extension, but because a lot of the guys who are the most productive Mariners right now are those slightly older players um you know mitch very well might not ever have that big payday uh he would actually probably it's my thought that he might be more inclined to say well i'll just lock it up now i'll get an extra year or two and then we'll see but i'll at least have made for sure you know 50 million 80 million whatever they might decide it would be in my in my career 
Um, it would be a my, nice gesture, I think, for them to yeah. give him something. So he's not making five hundred thousand for right. you know under six thousand dollars for this year when he's obviously right. going to produce a lot more value. Like, and and is someone who they've consistently stated is like we want our team to emulate and to we right. you know we it would also be yeah it would be a gesture of good faith for the organization in a sense of like if you perform this way you conduct yourself this way. Mm-hmm. We as an organization will reward you. Buy into what we're we're doing. Exactly. And yeah. So I I think it's I hope that these conversations are happening and I think that they should happen sooner rather than yeah. later. But in general, the extension conversation isn't one I think that's super relevant to us right yeah. now until we start having players like Justice Sheffield, Chad yeah. Long, yeah. JP Crawford, like potentially coming up. I think in that same vein, you could make a case for Marco Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be a major money deal. I mean, it would be it would be something somewhat like what Kyle Hendricks uh, got, probably a little bit less. I think it was mm-hmm. five years, like fifty-five million is, I believe, what he got. I don't know that it would be that for him, but you know, Marco's twenty-seven. This year, and he's, I think, also got that same number three. I think he's got three years uh, also, after he, this. He just had a grievance that was right. basically right. avoided by the Mariners agreeing to a new contract for this season. Yeah. So I believe his case was that he should have been, uh, instead of being super two, he might have actually been a, a full extra year of ARB. So I think right. I think you're right. I think he's got three years left. Right. I think this um, is his first year of ARB now. I think it's a in between where technically it's not. Or I guess they're, they're, they bumped up his pay to like yeah. a million or something. So I think okay. So it actually yeah. So it looks like he's first arbitration eligible in twenty twenty one. It'll be a free agent oh, for the twenty twenty four season. Oh right, and they did like the extension. Yeah. So he's actually so he's got paid basically. Okay. Yeah, so he, he wouldn't even make that much sense. So you'd be locking. You, you've already got two years locked up twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Yeah. So you'd be giving him uh, at least th- you know the three years of arbitration for his ages twenty nine thirty thirty one season. Yeah. Given his injury history, yeah. and given that he was good last year but not spectacular, mm-hmm. my guess is that he would be is, is that the Mariners would not be willing to give him a contract that he'd be looking yeah. for. The only extension they gave out last year, because we saw the Gene Segura extension the year before. Mm-hmm. The only extension they gave out last year was the Wade LeBlanc one, which mm-hmm. was that very strange, like there's Team options for like three. Yeah. 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 So I could see them doing something like that, but at a higher pay rate. But I don't know if Marco would go for that. Yeah. Well, the difference between Marco and Hendricks is that I believe believe it was eating up Hendricks' free agent years. Yes. And obviously Marco was not close to free agency yet. However, I, you know... I think Hendricks has a little less injury risk and has been more a more consistent innings eater. Yeah. So I think you could work some sort of deal with with Marco. Um, he kind of fits in the same boat as Hanniger as well. He's a slightly older, but doesn't have that much service time. Yeah. Um, and my guess would be, as a pitcher who's already gone through Tommy John surgery, he'd be very okay with an extension to take the yeah. secure money. The question is, would he be willing to reduce the maximum number of dollars he'd actually get by taking such an extension? Yeah, maybe. That, I think that those are sort of the only yeah. two that it's, I can it's, it's hard to guess as to what his arbitration yeah. salaries even would be because he's still far enough away and it's only one real yeah. season of, right. of yeah. Major League time. Yeah. Uh, we can go to next question. Um, here's one from Jason at JT Sweezo. Sweeze. 
please, we've we've been thinking about this one a little bit beforehand. Although Grant, I think, has not seen it, but he's he's a clever lad. Uh, please grace us with as many pun-laden fantasy team names featuring current M's as possible. Yeah, John and I actually had a mind meld on this. I he read me the question and I thought of one, and then John, right before we started recording, said it, and that was Domingo ate my baby. Which I think is pretty strong. He also mentioned that someone in his real life fantasy league has that. So he did not make that up. I came up with it on my own. Let the record show. It's only one person committed intellectual theft. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot though. I mean there's some low hanging ones with mm-hmm. Mitch. Like you could do like Mitch don't kill my vibe. Uh-huh. 99 problems but stitches. a Mitch ain't one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to contribute um, back that Narvaez. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's the one. I'm, I'm bringing Vogel back. Bringing Vogel back. Yeah. Big Strick energy. Mm. Oh, no. Yes. Oh you say that you love me. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty, there are tons of, of pun, punnable names um, on the roster this year. That is one gift that the Mariners have given us. I will say, from the last stint that Malik Smith had as a Mariner, uh, from our article that I worked on uh, with... I think it was with T, where we decided to do the 10 best moments of Malik Smith in a Mariners uniform. Oh, yeah. We included a picture of uh, Alex Smith, the now Washington quarterback, with a fedora and said, Alex Smith. <laughs> so if you are truly desperate for a fantasy baseball team name and would like to use an injured NFL quarterback as your team picture, you have that option. It's pretty good. Free content for everyone out there. Uh, yeah, I mean... We we also have uh, two girls, one Ross Cup. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yes. It's canceled. I, I like it a lot. Fantasy oh, I got one. Yep. Speaker box, the rum below. Nope. I was trying to think of that. Yeah. <laughs> Something related to that. Um, Prince Felix? Is that too soon? Oof. Like a demotion. That's hard. Damn. That's harsh. I mean, we can cut it. <laughs> we don't have to use these. The Bruce is loose. Oh, actually, um, one from friend of the blog, Brittany Bush Bollet's son, Duck Duck Bruce. Yes, oh. Duck Duck Bruce. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. There's always a, a festa fuss for, for the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a fantasy team named after Matt Festa, that should be at least worth one win. Like you're really, you're really you putting in the effort. Because if that is... Yeah, don't actually have him on your team. Yeah. I don't think middle relievers have a lot of fantasy value. Not a ton. I'm trying to think of some chess puns for Braden Bishop, but I don't know mm. enough about chess. <laughs> uh, that was a self-checkmate right there. Fair enough. All right, hit us with the next one. All righty. Uh... No, no shed long ones there. That was too bad. I, w- I was staring at it for a while. Um, here's one from former staff writer Isabel Manassian. Uh, Never heard of her. Nope. In light Fake of news. the, <laughs> uh, in light of the MLB Game of Thrones crossovers this season, who is the one character from Game of Thrones you would draft to be the 26th man on the Mariners roster? Conversely, which Mariner is most well-equipped to kill a White Walker? Since I believe at minimum one of you, and maybe two of you, have not watched the show. Never seen a single frame. Uh, I guess what would... Imagine it's like a bear, 
but like a really like a magical evil. That's bear. what the White Walkers are. Yeah, I mean it's not, but That's like comparable sort of. Not what I've seen. I, I mean, mean, it's not. I'm just trying to like aren't what they would like zombies sort of. Kind well, the White Walkers are the ones who like raise the zombies, but they're uh, they're just like okay. I'm thinking of like a very intimidating, difficult to kill thing. Okay. So like I guess like what what Mariner would you want most in single combat? Wade LeBlanc. I, was gonna, I think Wade LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Wade LeBlanc because he cut down all the Red Sox that time. Fair Improbable enough. Improbable victory. That's, That's true. That's fair. Uh, if we're if it's a finesse style fight, absolutely win yeah. the block. <laughs> if it's sheer power, I'm taking Domingo Santana. Yeah, that's fair. Give him a give him a great club and just let him go to work. Give me our our large adult son. I'm taking Vogi. Yeah, uh, that was that was my backup. But Domingo seems like he would be more well. I was watching a highlight video last night and it included the Vogelback home run off the Hit It Here Cafe or like really above the Hit It Here Cafe, yeah. mm-hmm. and that reminded me that yeah, that guy can can basically he can mash he destroy can, any he sort of bear zombie type creature. To answer the other question about drafting a player onto the Mariners, there's dragons in Game of Thrones. There certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a dragon closer. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Hunter Strickland. I mean, we already had one, sort of. Is there a rule about pitching from your mouth? <laughs> Imagining a dragon putting the ball in their mouth. Is that a spitball? And breathing it <laughs> at a hitter. I think that might as long be as they can locate. A whole new meaning to the word fireball. Yeah. yeah. Their arms kind of tiny and useless. Right. Yeah. yeah. It might be tough. Uh, you could get. There's not a ton of like translatable skills there. Like, there's some really big, strong people. Um, you know, I think probably Arya would just be a very good uh, base stealer. She got on, like, she's got a small strike zone. Scrappy little utility Yeah, player. and, you know, she can imitate other people's faces, so she can, like, Whoa. pop over to, you know, she can oh, get, yeah. get a lead, and then suddenly, you know, looks like that's, you know, Chad Pinder on first base, but suddenly she's uh, suddenly she's just at second base. Um, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'll take Aria over Chad Pinder any day. Of the Absolutely, week. <laughs> that, on that, we didn't have that was easy. Complete agreement. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, here's one from William Lofton uh, that's sort of touched on an issue that I think a lot of folks have had with worrying about the rest of the rebuild. Um, the Mariners just restocked their farm system this offseason, but I feel that they'll end up trading again to ultimately acquire talent. Do you agree, or do you think they'll actually spend money in free agency when it's time to contend? Yeah, I don't think that... I, I mean, I don't want to borrow trouble necessarily, but I don't think that it's going to be a huge problem that they suddenly find themselves in the midst of an improbable playoff run. <laughs> I, would love, I would love to cross that bridge when I come to it. But no, I don't think they're going anywhere this year. I don't think our prospects are going anywhere. Sure. And they've basically said that the prospects won't be I think going we're, anywhere. We're talking, so. I think in this court, we're just talking like down the road. Like when they're in, in 2021, 2022. I mean, at that point, maybe you have some excess that you can deal off of the farm but as far as like the core guys going anywhere i don't i don't see like they're building around jared Mm. kelnick and julio and logan gilbert Mm. like um maybe some fringy guys get traded but Mm -hmm. by and large i think that we are in a 
process where we're going to see the farm steadily stocking until 2021. Okay. I, I think that all makes a lot of sense. I will say teams build around their young prospects and will say that they're building around them right up until the moment where they're not. I don't think they would trade away prospects for older veteran talent in the way that this question is understandably asking. I think I could see some sort of more challenge type trade where it's a Jesus Montero for Michael Pineda, um, where, you know, we don't need this pitcher. We want a catcher who can hit uh, that kind of a deal. I could see something like that. Challenge. Uh, But I don't think, I don't think it's that likely uh, just because it's really hard to get two uh, organizations that are so confident in the other team's valuation being low on their own guy and high on their player that they will both make that deal. So my guess is, the, you know, effectively I, I agree with Kate, but I wouldn't put anything past Jerry Depoto. I would be... I would like... I, I don't think that we have to worry about them spending on filling out the edges of the roster. Uh, I do think that DePoto's experience in Los, or in Anaheim and having had a roster that was, due to the constrictions he was given with the payroll, inflexible because of Cano's contract and Felix's contract and... I guess Cruz's contract, not that that was particularly bad. Uh, I think that there is some built-up reticence in there. I mean, he has said before, you don't build a team through free agency. You finish a team in free agency, which I don't think is necessarily true. I think it is often true, but that's that's sort of been a result. I don't think that has to be true. Um, So... I think we will continue to see a lot of trades over the next several years. And I don't think that, I think Kate's correct that those core guys that they've gone out of their way for, I think most of them are sticking around, but because. So it, please it, stop adding the account every time I <laughs> tweet about Julio or Jared about trading them. Uh, because if those guys don't work out, the, the, none of this is going to work out. No. You know, that's the situation they've set themselves up in. And that's not a bad situation, but that is the situation and it just means that they do have to be willing to spend probably particularly on pitching because there's not a ton of pitching depth starting pitching depth in the organization and they might have to spend on a third baseman or something to that effect Um, we'll probably see them deal from outfield depth if things go well and they're able to continue you know if they're able to develop Jake Fraley and Don Thompson Williams and Kyle Lewis and Julio or Jared. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see them deal from those prospects, but that'll be that's ideal. That, that would right. be an awesome situation. And and for the amount that is between then and now, I think there's a, a lot that could go a whole bunch of different directions. Uh, well, that's what we got. Um, is there anything else, I guess, any more bold predictions uh, for the season before we, before yeah, we wrap you wanna, up Yeah, you want to close out on some bold, your hottest, spiciest take for the 2019 yeah. yeah. season? Well, actually, be- before we, we do mention. that, I, I want to I wanna hear um, 
we've all talked a little bit about this, but I know that a lot of us are looking to watch other teams more oh, this year. Who are our so I'm curious teams. who your bandwagon okay. teams are this year, if you have one picked out. Uh, I got a couple, honestly. It's pretty mm-hmm. much the entire NL East that's not the Marlins. <laughs> yeah. like, yep. I'm really, from an entertainment standpoint, I think the Mets, Phillies, and Braves are pretty solid bet. From a team that I'm like, if I had to bet on a team um, to like do a lot, that's also going to be fun to watch. Like The best return on your investment, if you want to watch wins and fun, that's the Milwaukee Brewers for me. Mm-hmm. I will go all in on the San Diego Padres. Uh, sporting Grants, an or opening, sporting an opening day, Fernando Tatis Jr. True. With yeah, Chris true. Paddock. Uh, starting and having mm-hmm. seen him last night in a dreadful game for the hometown nine, uh, Chris Paddock was pretty good. Yeah. And there's a lot of fun hitters. There's a lot of fun prospects. Mm-hmm. There's Manny Machado, who I think is just a really great player to watch. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that. I think the athletic had a poll today where they pulled players. Who's the dirtiest player in the league? And I think 60% said Manny Machado. I love that. I mean, he's like recency bias. He sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like a total jerk, but like I will enjoy watching that on TV. Absolutely. Um, I also got my boy Franchi. Franchi. I decided Franchi. literally several Franchi. hours ago that I love him. <laughs> so. Yeah, the Padres are fun, pound for pound. Uh, there's a lot of fun to be had in that team. And I will watch them and be entertained by them. Um, obviously, the NL East. Um, I think... One that we haven't mentioned yet is the Reds. Mm-hmm. I like the Reds. The I'll watch whatever Yasiel Puig does. Um, and then in the AL, obviously that's harder. But uh, oh, and the Mets, of course, the Mets. I, mm-hmm. I mentioned the whole uh, NL East. But watching, I don't. It doesn't super pain me to watch ex Mariners. Um, I want Edwin and Robinson to be mm-hmm. successful. I am unsure about the Yankees retconning uh, James Paxton into being an, and just taking the whole eagle thing and being like, this is ours now. It's truly one of the and, worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, you can check out the Yankees tweet if or you don't. know what we're talking about. Or also don't and just take our word for it or that it's terrible. Pour bleach and, in your eyes instead. <laughs> also a choice. Bandwagoning um, bleach. I, I yeah. feel like the Yankees, I picked the Yankees to win it all, but it's hard uh, it's gonna be really hard to watch those games i think i just can't um go twins in go the twins. al yeah nelson cruz um, nelson, absolutely that is yeah. what i should, might as well just say go nelson cruz yeah. because i don't actually you say they let him the coach the final spring training yes <laughs> and i can't oh. wait for nelson cruz to come back and coach the mariners absolutely. I'm super yeah. <laughs> i didn't even think about that yeah you just the, levitated yeah like, yeah the the entire nl is gonna be pretty neat um I, I love that both the NL Central and the NL East essentially have nine teams that could win the division between them. Um, you know, sorry, Marlins. But, uh, yeah, so the, it's it's going to be really fun. And, and I think it's I, this year will be a really big year of trying to watch uh, a lot like I've watched the NBA in the last few years. I think we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast. But um, the NBA is... Since I we don't have the Sonics, it's a lot of fun to watch for right. players and for storylines, and it's going to be really nice to watch games and not worry constantly about this this threadbare possibility of the Mariners <laughs> making the playoffs, right. being dependent on what the fucking Rays and Astros are doing. 
Uh, so that'll be. Oh, my other year. AL team. Go yeah, Rays. There you go. Yeah, go yeah. Rays. So. Uh, okay, well, you want to do hottest let's, take? Let's, let's give me that hot yes. take. Give me that spit, spit, spit that so we should mention you're gonna have some in writing on the site. So yes. check those out. But yes. we should probably veer away from those so we don't double up I on gotta, the people. I got a good one to start out with. All right, hit the us. Mariners are currently infinity times better than every other team <laughs> in the league. By not only the end of the season, by Thursday they will no longer be infinity times <laughs> better than everyone in the league. <laughs> yes, that strong. is strong. It's a strong hot, opening. Hot fire, hot fire. Um, uh, a Mariner specific hot. Take. Does not need to be Mariner specific. Can be Mariner specific, but it's MLB. If you have something, okay. MLB. Um. Well, my AL West hot take is the Athletics finished third, and we finished fourth, and the Angels finished second. Uh-huh. I like that. Um, even though they have no pitching, I think they're just going to club. Neither do the A's. Their way, yeah, I think they're going to club their way into some stuff. I don't know, man. The A's lineup is so frightening, but gosh, that I mean, pitching I'll, is just yeah. just equally garbo. frightening, but for the yes, other reason, yeah. Um, uh, that's my that's my AL West hot take. My Mariners hot take. Uh, is that the team does not lower ticket prices officially. <laughs> like, they just keep doing flash sales for games we don't want to go to, <laughs> and it continues to cost $35 to sit in the bleachers on, like, a weekend. I, prove me wrong! <laughs> that one's not very fun. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. None of them are fun. Um, and my other, my MLB hot take is um, Bryce Harper gets in a fight with every player uh, because he thinks they all are the ones who said he was the most overrated. Like, I think Bryce Harper just has, like, a chip on his shoulder Whoa. all season long. So Bryce Harper is going to fight every he's player. fight everyone. Everyone he possibly <laughs> can. Cosine. Yeah. I, Bryce Harper gets into, this is my hot take, Bryce Harper gets into not one, not two, not three, but six fights this year. Oh, not yeah. one. Wow. Not two. Not three. <laughs> The Decision, <laughs> part two. That's a good one. I'll go next if you want go me to. My Mariners one is that we see Shed Long, Justin Dunn, and Justice Sheffield all at some point in the big leagues this year, mm-hmm. which would be fun. I'm rooting for yeah, that. I'm yeah. rooting for that. I like having hot takes that actually I want to root for rather yes. than ones that make me <laughs> sad. <laughs> he just looked at me with like a yeah. side eye. I mean, I'm trying to go to $10 games in August and September. Mariners, if you're listening, make that happen. Uh, MLB-related one. Uh, Let's see. I mean, I think that the White Sox are going to be better than people think. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they surprise people. I wouldn't be surprised if they got to 80 wins. That's probably a hot take, but I wouldn't. I'm not going to bank on it, but it wouldn't shock me. Um... I, I mean, I made a, I made I guess I kind of gave my uh, written one already earlier this podcast just in in conversation about hundred lost teams because but I think there are going to be some trash fire <laughs> teams this year yeah, like I think in the NL the Diamondbacks and the Marlins yeah. Diamondbacks aren't going to be nearly as bad as the Marlins but they just I, I think there are going to be some rough stuff. Um, the Giants too are gonna be bad. Yeah, Giants the Giants are gonna, are gonna be. Rough. Do the Orioles double count if they lose two hundred? They lose two hundred. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I think maybe 
Hmm. I think how about how about this? We'll say three hundred win teams in the AL East. Ooh. Whoa. Wow. I think John loves the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the Blue Jays are gonna really struggle. <laughs> and I think the Orioles might I guess the the could potentially pairing, be the worst. The team paired ever. part of this is I think the Orioles might have the worst record in MLB history. Yeah, serious question yeah. actually. Who is the Orioles' best player? Um like, I don't uh, even know who's on the Dylan team. Dylan Bundy, I believe. I believe it's financial Who? flexibility. <laughs> I think that, I think it's Dylan Bundy. <laughs> I have said many times I think Alex Cobb is due for like a reset. Oh yeah, he's, he's on hurt. the team. But he's, but he's already he's, hurt. Yeah, he's <laughs> already hurt. So <laughs> it's a lot. Congratulations. No. <laughs> if you're listening, you are now yeah. pitching for the Orioles the every Orioles fifth day. Just get down is, to Camden Yards, they'll give you a chance. The Orioles best player is Cedric Mullins the third, or Cedric the Entertainer, who is five eight. And plays like he's six foot five. He's just so much fun. So okay. I, okay. That's a rooting interest for the Orioles for you. But yeah, they. I mean, they are very much. Picota thinks that they're going to be potentially the worst team. Do they still have Trey Mancini? They do have Trey Mancini. He's, he could be decent. <laughs> uh, he he is for Orioles be, standpoint. He's projected by Fangraphs to be a sub one win player. Ah. In- 560 p.m. Yeah, They're also going to miss yeah. Mark good. Trumbo's out for that yeah, basically Trumbo's the whole year. Who's like would be Jonathan VR is like definitely oh, their best player. Yeah, okay, um, that's fair. And he's not. None of their position players are projected to be two. But is, he, is Tillman on the team? Tillman's not on the team. Yikes. Uh, okay. I'm just yeah. trying to grasp for names here. I don't know anyone on this team. They anymore. still have Andrew Kashner. They oh, still have Nate Carnes. Oh. oh, you know who they, they have one. Very good relief pitcher in Michael Givens. Oh, he's yes. getting traded yesterday. And absolutely, he will be. But like, yeah, it like this team is unbelievably bad and has to play two potentially the two best teams in baseball yeah. and definitely two of like the five best teams in baseball right. and the Rays who are very solid. Yeah. I like they could lose 120. I think that it will lose 120 games. Wow! All right, there's your that's, that's my, there's your hot take. Like they had Machado five for, beyond Picadas. I mean, they they were 47 115 last year with Manny Machado for half. The yeah, year, and they have only gotten worse. They sure have, as their Oof. other division mates have gotten better. Yeah. So uh, bold, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah. All right. Well. Great. Oh, sorry, Grant. Yeah, so my Mariners prediction is that Hunter Strickland will be an all-star this year. Ooh, I like I think that. He's gonna he's rack still up. A Mariner he's gonna rack point. up the saves, and uh, they might. You know, if Hanager doesn't have a great start, if uh, you know the, the Mariners need a representative somewhere, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it be Strickland. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Strickland and Mitch. Uh, I think he's gonna do. He's gonna surprise some people. He was not a. He's not been a bad reliever in his career. And last year, he decided to uh, punch a wall and let that kind of derail things. Um, so that's my Mariners-related prediction. I see John laughing in the corner over here. No, this, so you're good. I, I assume he's already making fun of me online. I, I think. <laughs> I think that's actually a great one. I, okay. I am actually pretty and on board with that. I'm also kind of agreeing with Matthew, it's much more fun to make a bold prediction that you can root for and sure. not a depressing one like Malik Smith will never repeat last season's F4 total in a season. 
which See, I also the thing think is, is you also true. did just say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my MLB wide prediction is that someone will hit four home runs in a game this year. Ooh, I like mm. that. That's there's, a fun that's one. Fun. More that's and more fun. homers. There's more and more power yeah. guys. Why yeah. not? When did Scooter do it? Did Scooter hit four or three? He hit four. Was that four. two years ago? 2017? I think it was 2017. Yeah. Yeah. I thought of some more while you guys were talking. Um, Mike Zanino starts the All-Star game. Oh. <laughs> it's not out of the... AL catchers no, are horrible. Terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Salvi Perez is, is out. Yeah. Gary Sanchez cannot catch the ball. Yeah. Which is a big part of being a catcher, yeah. as it turns out. So yeah, I mean, who are the like the candidates are Mike Z, Gary Sanchez, Luke Croy, it like Luke Croy is beyond washed. <laughs> He's circling the well, drain. Yeah, just pretend that Joe Mauer still plays and also yeah, still let Joe Mauer do like a, a Dirk thing. Where's Brian McCann? Is he um, still around? Brian McCann's a backup for the Braves now. You Thank know, you. Sean right. Sean Murphy for the Athletics may be up. And he's, That's a, I don't know who that yeah, is. He's a prospect. He's, he's not. A, he wasn't on the opening. Right, so yeah, Mike Z is yeah. good. No, but he but he might be at some point called up. I mean, that would be a lot to put on him. But yeah, that's literally the only person yeah. I can think of mm-hmm. who's a good AL catcher is somebody saying. who's not played yet. So yeah, Mike Z starts the All Star game, and Trevor Bauer gets banned from Twitter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. forever. Ooh. Spicy fun. Spicy fun. All right, well, thank you all so much for listening along with us as we recorded this special podcast episode. It was so great to be in the same room with all of you and see all of your smiling faces. And uh, we'll be back next week talking real baseball. We'll have some real baseball to talk mm-hmm. talk about. So uh, shout us out. Send us your questions. Um, and hopefully we'll see you around the park. Uh, bye.